fishing stories are a, a big thing. We, we all have either <coughs> had a fishing story or we've heard a fishing story. You know, it was this big, the one that got away. You know, on the Waltons, Grandpa always talked about the really smart catfish that was in Jerusalem's pond. Um, I remember one story that I've heard. Uh, about a man who was going down to fix the dam. It was a diver that went down to fix the dam, uh, an underwater welder. And he got down there, and he was down there about 10 minutes, and he came back up, and he said, you can fix your own dam. And they said, what in the world's going on? He said, there's a catfish down there the size of a Volkswagen. I'm not going back down there. <laughs> the funny thing is, I've heard that same story about five different lakes in Texas. So, you know, is it true or is it not? The thing about fishing stories is sometimes it's hard to know what's true. I bet Jonah ran into that a lot. <laughs> this week we're starting a short series in Jonah uh, called The Whale of the Tail. We think of Jonah as a big fish story, but in the end it's really a big God story. And so we're going to look at Jonah's encounters with God, with other people, and with the big fish uh, over the course of the next few weeks. And we're going to start this morning with the first chapter of Jonah. So we pick up there in the first chapter of Jonah. We'll read the whole chapter, so I'm going to read it. Follow along the screen or pick up your Bible, whichever one. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up! Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into the and to go with them from Tarshish, from the Lord's presence. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind in the sea. Such a violent storm arose in the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel, and had stretched out and had fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing, sound asleep? Get up! Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us, and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots. And the lots singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid. And said to him, what is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you to calm this sea that's against us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. So it may quiet down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm that's against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land because they couldn't. But they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, Please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you and praise you for your blessing. Father, we ask right now that you take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel with the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things 
And of your son Jesus, and for his sake, and all God's people said, You know, as we read this first chapter, we see that the call of God is uncontrollable, unpredictable, and sometimes uncomfortable. We don't have control over what God will ask us to do or where he may want us to go. Jonah was a prophet. It was kind of expected for him that God was going to say, go say something to someone. That's kind of an expected thing. Now, if God came to me and said, Troy, I want you to go speak to a crowd, that wouldn't surprise me if he told me to do that. For Jonah, it should be the same. It would be expected that he was the mouthpiece of God. But he probably didn't start the day expecting to hear this message from God. God speaks when he chooses to speak. God may ask us to do anything or go anywhere. What God asks us to do may be uncomfortable, because Jonah, you know, had experience telling God's word, but this was different. This wasn't Israel. This wasn't the people of God. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, the biggest city at the time. Despicable people. If you go over and read the, the book of Nahum, it's a prophecy against Assyria. And in chapter 3, it paints a picture of their brutality. God didn't say, Jonah, I want you to go talk to the Church of Christ. I want you to go talk to the Methodists. He said, I want you to go find the angriest bunch of atheists you can find and go tell them this message for me. Forty days and you're going to be destroyed. The Assyrians were known for when they conquered people, they would carry them back as plunder on bishops. I've talked before about my favorite psalm, the first one I ever did an exegesis on it, that ends with this phrase, O daughter of Babylon, doom the destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you've done to us, who takes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That was what the Assyrians had done. That's what the psalm was written about. These are the people that Jonah has been told to go and deliver a message of destruction to. If God can ask Jonah to do this, He can ask us to do anything. So often we think that what God's going to call us to do should fall into a bubble of safety. Well, God might want me to be uncomfortable, but he wouldn't want me to be that uncomfortable. He doesn't want me to be that dangerous. He may, he, may, he may ask me to knock on my neighbor's door, but he would never ask me to speak to a group of people. We have this tendency to, to think that we know what God's going to ask us to do. We know what God, what God can and will do. Because I don't know how often, even in my life, God will say, do something, and I'll be like, oh, are you sure, God? Are you sure that's where you want to go? Are you sure you want me doing that? Because I know me, God. I don't know if you know me as well as I know me, God. I know me. But God went to a prophet of Israel and said, go to your enemy and tell them they're going to be destroyed. 
Why could God be asking you to do? Maybe he's going to ask you to talk to your friends about him. Maybe he's going to ask you to talk to your family about him. Sometimes that's harder than talking to your friends. Maybe he's going to ask you to talk to your enemies. Maybe he's going to ask you to give something you didn't think you were going to give. Or work at something you didn't think you were going to work at. Or he's going to ask you to go somewhere you never thought you would be going. It's so often when God does these things that we find ourselves maybe where Jonah is because Jonah had a choice. <clears throat> God's call comes and Jonah could have said, Yes, Lord, I trust your call. I'm going to go where you want me to go. But that's not what Jonah did. Jonah, it's exactly the opposite. Jonah decides, well... God, I don't want to do what you're going to ask what you're asking me to do. Here's the funny thing. Here's my. Let's take a step aside here. The microphone spotlight thing here. Um, Jonah's acting like a teenage boy breaking up with his girlfriend over text. <laughs> he, he's not even telling God no. He just runs away. And he's, I'm not even going to tell her. I ain't going to show up. She's going to keep texting. I'm, I'm going to block her number. I'm going to block her on Facebook. I'm going to, I'm going to do all these things. And she, she's, I'm just going to disappear. She's not, not going to know where I'm at anymore. That's how he's treating God. He doesn't say, no, God. He just doesn't respond to God. He gets up and he goes to Joppa to get on a ship to run away from God. You know, you can run from God but you can never truly hide. Jonah gets up and goes in the opposite direction. Let's put this into perspective. <laughs> I did the figure it last night. If you were in Laupan, Texas, and God called you today and said to you, I don't want to pick on somebody. Kevin Andrews, I want you to get up and go to South Padre Island and tell all them people on the beach wearing them bikinis that destruction's coming. <laughs> what Jonah did, if he was Kevin in this case, was instead got on a plane and flew to a place called Tanavia in Canada that's just off the North Pole. It's the same distance as Nineveh from Tarshish. That's how far Jonah was trying to go to get away from God. To the very northern part of Canada from here. He just wanted to go to the other part of Texas. And Jonah said, no, I'm leaving the country. I'm going through a couple of their provinces. I'm going until I hit the Arctic Ocean and I'm going to stop. That's what Jonah was trying to do. He was getting as far away from Nineveh as he could go because they didn't know anything happened on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. The world just stopped. Because Tarshish is right on the southwest corner of Spain. From there, all you see is ocean. Nothing else is out there. He was running as far as he could run to hide from God. But God knew where he was and pursued him. 
I believe that's the, the greatest blessing and the biggest curse in the Bible. We're pursued by God. We're pursued by God. He didn't wait on us to come to Him. He came to us. He pursues us. But when we run from Him, guess what? God pursues us. He doesn't, he doesn't just wait. He pursues us. David knew this over in the Psalms. What did he say over in Psalm 139? Where can I flee from your presence? I can go to the highest parts of heaven. And there you are. I can go to the greatest depths of hell and you're there too. I can't go anywhere where you're not there, God. But we try to run from God all the time. I'm just not going to hear it. Not going to listen to God. I'm going to run. I'm going to get away from you. In the good and the bad, God pursues us. Nothing is hidden from Him. <clears throat> Do you try to hide things from God? I know I do. There are things that I still think I'm hiding from God, and God's going, oh. He's rolling His eyes. I saw that. I saw it happen. I saw when you did it. You can run from me, but you can't hide. It's a good thing and a bad thing, right? It depends on what movie you're watching. If you're watching a love movie, you can run, but you can't hide. That's a good thing. If you're watching an action movie or a horror movie, you can run, but you can't hide. It's a bad thing. God's both. If you're trying to hide from God or run from Him, He is pursuing you. He is coming after you. He is going to get you in, and, and He's going to talk to you whether you want to talk to Him or not. You can block Him on Facebook. You cannot answer your text, but He's going to show up at your door. Don't say that again. Let's talk. God pursues us. We cannot ever hide from God. And when we watch what happens, Jody gets on this boat, <clears throat> and inexplicably he has enough peace to go down in the bottom of the boat and go to sleep the rest of the crew who are seasoned sailors are up on the deck scared out of their wits throwing things overboard thinking they're going to die and Jonah's asleep you know, our choice to follow or not follow God affects those around us. Jonah's actions threaten the sailors' lives. Because Jonah was on that ship and God was pursuing Jonah and God had a plan, those sailors' lives were, they felt in jeopardy. And so they're, okay, throw everything overboard, we still can't figure it out. The captain goes, where's that guy at? And then he goes, what are you doing? Get up! Ask your God to help us. And he's like, Jonah, Jonah didn't ask his God to help him. You notice that? He gets up and they finally say, well, let's just draw straws then. They draw straws and it falls to Jonah. Who are you? Well, I'm a Hebrew. And I, uh, I serve Yahweh. The Lord of heaven and earth. He created it all. And then they went, oh no. Oh no. So they're rowing. He's like, well, what can we do? Just throw me overboard. Oh, no! If you belong to him, and he's chasing after you, 
question they had to decide. Are they going to listen to this man who's already said that he is uh, running from God, not listening to God, and that God is chasing him and throwing him overboard? Or are they going to keep rowing and have a fruitless enterprise? Of course they throw him overboard. You know, we have a sphere of influence. Our choices will affect others. Even in the midst of our rebellion, God can use us to minister to others. Here was Jonah in the midst of rebellion, not even speaking to God, running from God, and God uses this moment and the testimony of Jonah's lips that God is the God, the creator of heaven and earth, and he uses that moment, Jonah's rebellion, to bring a group of pagan sailors to worship him. If God can use Jonah's rebellion to bring pagans to worship him in the worst time of their life, what can God use you to do? I mean, wasn't like Jonah was sitting there going, yeah, man, he's great, he's wonderful, I'll do anything. No, I am running from him. I'm here because I don't want to do what he's told me to do. The words are in the text, but it says they already knew he was running because Jonah had told them. And in the midst of that, the pagans pray to God, O oh Lord, spare us, and don't hold us guilty of this man's blood because you've done as you pleased. What can God use you to do if he can do that through Jonah's rebellion? And they throw him overboard. And then, <laughs> my favorite verse probably in I always say this, but I really mean it this time. My favorite verse, I think, okay, my second favorite verse, I think, in the whole Bible, is now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Job. The Lord always provides, but we might not like his provision. Jonah, Jonah was trying to I'd rather just die in the water than go to Nineveh. I know what those people do. I ain't going. Throw me in the water and it'll all be okay, guys, because then he'll have me because I'll be dead and it won't matter because I'll be done. But God had appointed a fish to swallow him. I ain't never been in a fish. I can't imagine it's pleasant. There's no light switch. I, I, I can't light a candle. I imagine it's dark and stinky and smelly. I don't care how big that fish is, it's probably pretty cramped in there. And I'm just. And Jonah's sitting there for three days and three nights. In the fish, or the whale, or whatever it is. See, finding Nemo taught me uh, that the whale's mouth is big enough that you know he could just be in the whale but not actually go in the stomach. That's a whole other theory I have. Um, 
there he was in the darkness. <laughs> For three days and three nights. God had provided a way, but I bet he didn't like the way. I bet he didn't like the provision. You know, when we was talking to the kids a while ago about doing things right the first time. See, when we do things right the first time, the way that God wants us to do it, it's usually a lot smoother. When, when God has to make a way where there is no way, it may be there may be more that you have to do. When God begins to work in your life and He provides a way, then, well, it may not be the way that you expect. It may be hard. But, in the end, an unpredictable and uncomfortable as God's plan might be for us, it's always safer, easier, and more comfortable than having to learn a lesson that leads us to do His will anyway. Because in the end, God always gets His way. Jonah thought he had the system beat. I'm just not even going to answer. Jonah. I didn't hear that. I mean, that's kind of how I act. Hey, Jonah. Got a job for you. I want you to go to Nineveh. thought he was going to have his own way. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to Nineveh to preach salvation. I'm sure not going to Nineveh to preach destruction. Leave it. And I'm going to go to the ends of the earth and God will not come there. There is an irony. There's an irony in the fact that Jonah ran to the ends of the earth to get away from the man, the God he described as the creator of the heavens and the earth. Maybe this morning, God has been speaking into your life to do something that you do not want to do. Maybe he's been quietly just, just saying, I need you to do this. I need you to do this one thing. And you're, you're just afraid because you know that one thing is not going to be the one thing that you want it to be. That you, there's just something else. That's not it, God. That's not my ministry. But God is speaking to you. Don't run anymore. You can't hide God will find you. He'll find you and break you back. <clears throat> Maybe this morning, you want to pray. The altar is open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've, you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the one who, who pursued you all the way to the cross. Maybe you've never known him. And you've been... You've been hearing about it, and 
And you've been hearing about the grace that comes. And you've been hearing about the freedom there is. And you just feel like you're chained in this world. And you've never made that decision to know Jesus. Now's the time. You walk down and you say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessing.